I'm Claire Manship. And I'm Ian Brodsky. And this is The Thing That Happened This Week. The show where everyone brings a story from the past seven days and we break it down. It's only 13 payments of $19.99, but wait, there's more! Okay, I had a dream last night that we really <laughs> we have to talk about. Okay, I'm here. Okay. Well, clearly. I'm, uh, yes. Listeners, Listeners different than I'm every here. other week, Ian I'm is here. now present. Um, I had a dream where I <laughs> was an offstage understudy mm-hmm. for SpongeBob Broadway. All right. And I realized when I went to, because on a lot of union contracts, the requirement is that you watch the show once a week mm-hmm. if, you're, if you aren't in it regularly. And apparently I went to do my weekly viewing and realized I had missed the week before and that was the first week I was on the job and didn't know where to sit in the audience. So my dream turned into a nightmare where I couldn't figure out where I was supposed to be. And people, Which is very confusing. And the rest of the cast was like very unsupportive and was like, well, it's your fuck up. Like, you're lucky you didn't get fucking fired. And, I, and it was just like the most realistic dream that I would be like the offstage understudy yeah was it like really lucid too like you woke up and you're like am I am I am I on Broadway now did I really fuck up do I I have to check all my emails now I have booking dreams a lot where I'll be it'll be my first show but a lot of times I'm the offstage cover so this is like the most realistic this will be probably how I debut yeah but like but I have this dream a lot but it's always different shows like I have a recurring one about Wicked mm-hmm. where I'm, which this will never happen. I'm the offstage Elphaba standby. Mm-hmm. And shout out to my friend Emily, who is the Elphaba standby. Oh, yeah. And like, this would never happen. Um, and and I get up to do Defying Gravity and forget the words. Like, mm. just like. I had a similar dream like that recently. <laughs> but for me, it always happens like in high school, which I know is significant for some reason, but like. It's always, like, high school doing something that I've done professionally, like, in the, like, very recently, and then forgetting the words that were just there. And, like, even in my dream, I'm thinking to myself, like, come on, I just did this. There was one time in a pretty high-stakes situation I forgot the words, and we're not talking, like, previews. We're talking, like, the show had been running six weeks. Oh, yeah? (laughs) And I sang the second verse when I was supposed to sing the first verse, and so then I got to the second verse and just sang it again. <laughs> I cut, yeah, I cut half a song off once. No, what? Because we were also six weeks into the run. It's always, it's, yeah. Like, that's the mark. Some people have a second show slump. I have a six-week slump. Yeah. <laughs> where I'm just and, a little too comfortable. <laughs> and, like, and this was an actor-musician show, so it's, like, just two of us playing guitar. And, like, I guess I was just, like on autopilot at that point which like I hate doing but I was just on autopilot for the song that I just didn't like yeah we phone it in eight yeah. times a week exactly one that's... of those is gonna suck <laughs> one of those is just gonna <laughs> suck um but so then like I used to always be like yeah bring it home and then like I say that you said and bring it home is that in the show it's like one of those ad libs that we're allowed to do. That really gets me. And in. so because because we're like because we're folk <laughs> singers because we're folk oh, singers. Oh, is this um, Woody Guthrie? This is Woody Guthrie. Oh my so, god! I thought you were just in a show that that was. I no, can't imagine I, if that was in a different show. No, any like that other was show. how any other show. Yeah, like and so I say that, and Sean next to me looks at me like, "What the fuck did you just do?" And then midway through the verse, I was like, "Oh, I fucked up." I cut off half the song. 
we don't have a choice. We just have to keep going. And so we like so we ended the, the song in the middle of the song. You just called it out like here we, we and go, we took, and we took it's it to the end. last verse. <laughs> yeah. And like, and I had one of my mentors in the audience that night. And like, <laughs> thank God she had like no idea. Well, because you were so confident with it, you were so sure. I I'm glad it came off that way because I was just like in my mind I'm going no 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 no. It's almost as good as like if you got like five verses in and you were like second verse same as the first. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't done something like that. Oh, I'm like now nah, that's just gonna bring my next show to shit or whatever. That really gets me. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Oh, I just want to use that like just in a very because, yeah because it was like appropriate time. It was just like Woody Guthrie. So we're like yeah, play it, girl, bring it home. Play it, girl. Because yeah, because that's yeah. another one. That was Kendra's. We would just be like yeah, bring it home, Ken. Play it, girl. Ian, why is this so funny to me? Because I'm, because I'm a very scrawny little white boy, no, being like, yeah. Well, it's because you're so chill, like just in life, you're a very chill person. So to Thank imagine you. you like having a rousing, like, yeah, like it really gets it, it, listeners yeah. at home can't see, but I'm like doing the finger lasso. Yeah, she's like, yeah, wrap it up, y'all, wrap it up. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's just funny to me that like in my dreams. I'm I'm still an understudy. Like I, just, that's honestly my dream. Like I like, think that yeah. part's not well, that crazy to me. And you've done that before. You've been oh, an yeah. offstage understudy. Yeah, my whole resume when I first came here was just offstage understudying, mm-hmm. working that local housing bed. Yeah. Um, it's funny though because now I guess it wasn't until this year that I realized I I haven't understudied in a really long time, mm-hmm. and it's like a muscle that I want to flex again. Yeah. I really want to swing. Like, I'd love to do a five to seven track swing. That yeah. would be, like, amazing. Because that's, like, that's like my crossword brain. Sure. Where I can, I like, that's kind of my dream, honestly. To swing a show would be, like, a dream. It's, it's fun. Like... I didn't move here with that as my dream. And now, as the years have gone by, I'm like, oh, it would be so great to just cover everyone. I mean, my, <laughs> first, my first off-Broadway show was, like, it was um, two actors, but, like, one actor was, like... I co- one actor was just the leading track, and the other one was, like, three different characters. Okay. So, like, I never went on for that latter one, but I went on for the lead all the time. But, like, yeah, like, that was... I mean, fine, sure, fine, yeah. brag about well, it. Well, because the guy didn't have a cover <laughs> for the longest time, then the second that they heard that they hired a cover, he was like, so here's all the vacation time I'm taking. Have fun, Ian. And I'm oh, like, fuck. And I'm like, everybody come see me in the show. I'm a pig. Oh, okay, great. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. I'm a pig. That really gets me. Yeah. (laughs) All right. um, We have a guest today. We have a guest today. We're going to turn the microphone, play the cue music, and meet him. Yeah. All right, let's do it. This dude is a good friend of mine. He, uh, he, He played my brother in. Uh, the most recent show I did, In Love with the Arrow Collar Man. Um, he is an actor of stage and screen. Um, you would know him from Peter Pan, which we will totally get to. Um, and he's an all-around swell guy, the founder of Lost Tribe Productions. Please welcome to the show, Rupert Simonian. Hey, dude. Hi. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, my God, of course. I was just going to say, the two of you need to talk separately because people at home won't know who's who. You think, what? Yeah, if there's two male voices. Oh, yeah, right. not at all. <laughs> Even though one of them's English. Yeah. Yeah. Much, yeah. Well, we had to do this one time where we had two female guests, and I was like, all right, talk separately, because they did kind of sound alike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So how's it going, buddy? Everything's going well. Um, just kind of 
falling back into things. Um, last time I saw you um, was the last night of the show, and then I went to Canada very quickly after that to do something else with a microphone, which was record two audiobooks, which I'd never done before and was by far the hardest acting I did last year. Is that exhausting to read a book? I thought it would be really easy and cosy and tea and biscuits and just kicking it and relaxing and level of concentration, preparation, um, and how um, stop start it is and how much you mess up and how much you kind of get annoyed at yourself for messing up. It, it 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 was a real tough job. Something I'm very glad I did, but something that if I ever did again, I'd have to get paid more money to do because <laughs> it was rewarding. Um, Can you and say which, which books or no? Um, yeah, I think they'd probably appreciate that. Um, <laughs> it's uh, so one of them is called The Tobacconist, and um, it okay. is a book written by um, a fantastic Austrian Austrian um, novelist, and um, it's basically about this boy um, in his late teens from the Austrian countryside. Um, this is 1938 in Austria, who gets sent to Cash Vienna, <laughs> setting the scene, um, who basically moves to Vienna to become uh, an apprentice for a tobacconist, um, okay. and the Nazi party, What does know, a tobacconist rumbling. do? They, they, they harvest sell, it, or no, they just sell it? They sell it, so okay. they, it's a store, so they have magazines, newspapers, mm. they sell tobacco, uh, smoking accessories... Um, in England, we bacon, call... Bacon, egg, and cheese. Bacon, yeah. egg, and cheese. <laughs> uh, not a deli, no, no, no. But um, only, oh my God. I think they probably sold some kind of uh, candy or boiled sweets. And is sorts. it like a smoking club where like guys go and they can like sit around in the shop or it's just for purchase? No, it's pretty much a purchase place. I mean, then you could like smoke in... Uh, so a tobacconist now I don't think would have the newspapers or magazines. Um, in England, we call them... We don't really have delis. We have news agents in, in England, if you've ever been. <laughs> and that basically is somewhere that... I have that... been, but I don't remember anything oh, you, cool about our it. Our corner shops are... Not that it's not cool. It's that I was too young to appreciate it. Right. No, I know exactly what you mean. I feel that way about Australia when I film Peter Pan, but we'll get to that <laughs> later in the show I've been Rupert told. has no idea. Okay, I just keep going. Okay, <laughs> so that you call them a, a news agent. A news agent. Um, which so sounds like a completely different line of work. Yeah. It does, yeah. Um, but if you're a news agent, um, you sell newspapers, magazines, you'll have um, essential kind of household foods, so bread, milk, eggs, uh, and pre-made sandwiches. So it's like a bodega with a smoke shop. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. And they sell a cigarette. It's like, like a that. boar's head that'll smoke you out. That's yes. right. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that but we, not pot. We can put it we can put it that way to our Yankee friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. These Yanks, come on. They yeah, don't know right. anything. No, this is great. No, this is good. This is a cultural exchange. Exactly. Um, and then I'll tell you what the the other one was a book called Calvin, um, which is a young adults novel. Um, YA, honey, that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Well, it was oh really? Yeah, YA. I mean just like everything from the Hunger Games right. to Twilight. Oh to, yeah. Yeah, so you got like all the sagas and the franchise the friend Franchises, franchises? Mm-hmm. franchises. Sure, it's not like um, like crises. You don't say it like no. Yeah, yeah okay. So franchises. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I speak English, and then um, uh, there's a bunch of like YA writing for um, 
it, it's just like all the dystopian one-offs. Well, it must be a thing because they've abbreviated it to YA, so you oh, know something oh. serious when they abbreviate right, yeah. it like that. It's mostly because I, I work with kids so much and YA is like the thing. Like, well, it's all the, good reading. They're the best fans you can have as well, um, you know, the YA crowd, because yeah. they'll really um, follow your work. Um, the kind of few followers I do have on Twitter, the kind of most faithful ones are... Um, the Peter Pan fans mostly are women, but there are, you know, it'd be unfair to say that there weren't more than a fair few men. Um, and they're always the most supportive. And, you know, they've been kind of following me for years. So. That's got to be weird, though. I mean, I would imagine that, like, you're clearly a completely different person than you were then. Do you feel like they infantilize you or they see you that way? I mean, it's just kind of, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it was, I, I shot it so young, I was 11, so it, I really don't remember that. I mean, I remember it, but not, you know, like I remember other jobs because it was so long ago. Um, so it, it's, 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 you know, I appreciate it and, and, and I love doing it and, you know, it's, it's a huge credit. Um but, you know, it, for me, what I'm kind of understanding now that I'm, you know, becoming a little, you know, a bit more mature is that it really is a film um, that is a part of people's childhoods. And as now we're kind of, you know, moving into our late 20s, people who are my age, you know, people who are like 27, 28 now are going, I watched this film. I knew like all the words from it. Oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd like pretend we'd play you know, dress up or whatever to this version of Peter Pan. And that's, yeah. that's, that's special. And, you know, it's on the television all the time um, in England and around Christmas as well, um, which is always nice for me because you can expect to check through the mail shortly right. after that. Ah, um, yeah. So, well, yeah. I, I'm obsessed. Okay, we'll just, we'll, we'll I guess we're get, I was going to say we're, we're getting, getting into it. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to get into it, but what I, I, I can, I'm going to preempt some things that you're going to say. Sure. That I think that I would have been a much better Wendy. This, these are the things I hear most. Girls go, okay. I, I wanted to be Wendy so oh, much more. Oh, no, that's not my game at all. Peter Pan was the most gorgeous, the act who played it, Jeremy Sumter sure, is. Yeah. Like, everyone loves him and even people are like even though I watched that film when I was like 18 I had the biggest crush on that 12 year old 13 year old boy yeah, yeah. Um, get that one to this day and oh yeah all you lost boys were so cute those three things yeah mm. okay so the first one's not true I don't really care about <laughs> at least not for me I'm sure it's true for many people okay so here's what happened Ian talked about an outing that you and your cast for In Love with the Arrow Collar Man had, a dinner you all had on the show a couple months ago. And so your name came up. And when right. I came to the show, I like knew the cast just from that story. I was like, I, like when you hear through someone else's lens, the personalities and the way that they're interacting, yes. and you see them on stage, and it's like uh, it, there's, a, there's a disconnect until it like... Until it clicks in the play, right? Mm. So I go and I and I saw all the headshots in the lobby and I was like, oh, interesting. I've run into that girl. Oh, I know that face. And I saw your headshot and I was like, fuck, where is this guy from? And I'm sure you get this all the time. Like you're at the airport and someone's like, where do I know you from? Do you go to Soul Cycle? <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I uh, I read your bio in the playbill and was like, fuck, that's where, that's, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yep, I know exactly where he's from. So PP. A PP. Abbreviated from, from <laughs> yes. Peter Pan, so you know it's serious. Exactly. So it's one of the first movies. Uh, 13 Going on 30 was the first movie that I went to see in the theaters, like just me and my friends. 
And I remember Peter Pan was out around the same time. I can't remember if we went with a parent or not, but I kind of identified those two films mm. as like a very clear sector of like my early mm. middle school experience. And I remember the first one's not really true. I never wanted to like cosplay Wendy. Although I think it's fierce they said her whole name in the film. Wendy Moira Angela Darling. I think yeah. that's fierce. Also, Wendy wasn't a name until that book. Until that book. So that's crazy. right. So yeah, crazy. That's right. I think it's amazing. Second, um, yes, Jeremy Sumter. <laughs> it was like a sexual awakening. It was like... <laughs> because, first off, he's the only, like, one of the only American dudes in the film playing, like, a classically British character. And then we didn't hear from him again until Friday fucking Night Lights, which is, like, amazing. It's, like, just, just like, a, such a staple of American pop culture. It's, like, Friday Night Lights, like, mm, football. And so I just remember seeing him later on FNL and being like, are you kidding me? Is that what happened to Peter? He is so dreamy. I can't, I just, it really, it was like him and uh, this kid from Cheaper by the Dozen. They were like the two. Which kid? There's, uh, which, which kid? Which one? There's 12. 12 of them. No, 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 no. But the one, the one that was age appropriate, Jacob Smith. He was the one that in the, in the, in the movie, he beats up those kids to the, uh, life is a nightmare, I'm just a kid, I know that it's not yeah. fair. You know that? The, the skater kid? The or? skater okay, kid. The sure. skater kid. Yeah, because the, the small little guy was too old for me and the twins were way too young. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming everyone at home loves Steve Martin as much as I do. Yeah, I loved that. I loved, I mean, I loved Peter Pan and I loved Cheaper by the Dozen, so. Yeah. And my first kiss was to 13 going on 30, so but... like this is... Yeah, hit me right in the adolescence. I really wish you would have told Mark Ruffalo that when you like I <laughs> when you worked together. I don't even think I thought of it at that point. But you know, he would he would either be so cool about it or completely uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that and what was the third thing you said? Oh, the the Lost Boys. The one that I was obsessed with was um. Is there one named Nibs or something? Yeah, Nibs. Yeah. Yeah. So he was the one where where who um, was he? Was that Harry? Where Eden? the nurse? Where the nurse at the end of the film finds him and he's lost in the hallway and he goes, everybody else got back to the bedroom except me. And she goes, what's your name? And he says, Nibs. And I was like, oh my God, that's Wait, the Nibs. one. <laughs> Nibs. Wait, is that slightly? Wait, Nibs? What are they? There's the twins. Maybe it's slightly I was thinking of, but he had like short kind of like choppy brown hair and he shows up at the end of the film. He like, he like missed the fairy dust trip back home and then like appeared and thought he was and lost. Who takes him home? The, the the nurse of the family. She's, like, not related to them. She's, like, the older woman that was, like, barren. Oh. That worked for the um, Okay. Maybe I think that might not be Nibs. Are you sure it's not slightly? I, I haven't slightly. watched the I film in years. No, no, I think it's Was slightly. he well-spoken or Cockney? He said, well, but I, I distinctly, when you said the word slightly, I hear, she goes, what's your name? And he said, and he said. Right, yeah, so yeah. it's slightly. So that's a boy called Theodore Chester. A boy, not a boy anymore. He's a man. He's my age. Um, Theodore Chester. Let's break down that name. Yeah, that is that is that's as British, British as it gets. Ever heard yeah, mm-hmm. we we went to school together. So the funny thing about Peter Pan is three of the Lost Boys um, were all from the same school oh, in so London cool. after they did nationwide hunts in Australia, America, and the UK. Okay, three out of the five or six Lost Boys got ca- cast at got went to the same school so that would be George Mackay who does very well as an actor and is a good friend of mine still um Theodore Chester who I don't believe is acting anymore I think that he did that and then and then stopped because he was very academic um and myself and the school is called the Herodian 
in in Barnes, which is in southwest London, which is where I'm from. And um, also people who went to that school, our alumni, are Tom Sturridge. Casual. Uh, this <laughs> is not a performing arts school, by the way. This is just a regular, it's just a, school. a private school in West London. But it has a good arts program, clearly. It did. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got even better now. Um, so Robert Patterson casual. went there, casual. <laughs> uh, Tom Sturridge, casual. Who else went there? Um, Jack Whitehall, who is it's a... It's boys' school. No, it's not. It's a mixed school. Oh, um, a lot of private schools in the UK, um, although now not so much, but um, will, will like be single sex schools. But this one okay. wasn't. Our school was this very liberal um, new school, new being, I think when I first joined it, it had been open for like 11 years or something like that. The school's okay. about 20 years old, so there's no uniform, but there's a dress code. Um, so yeah. even state schools in England uh, have uniforms. It's not like in the United States of America, from what I gather, where you just wear any clothes to school. Is that right? Unless you go to a private school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's right. private Or a Catholic school well, or something. Some, right, right. some public schools now, for uniformity's sake, are having uniforms because yeah. there's just like there's issues with like enforcing a dress code is a lot easier if you just provide them with what they're allowed to wear. But there's like a lot mm. of variance. Like if you go to a Catholic school, like your hair has to be tied a particular way. Like, they get very down to, like, mm. minutia detail. Mm, mm. And uh, and I know that there are some public schools who are like, let's try this for a year. Mm. Like, my school system in Virginia was about to try it, and it got shot down by, like, one vote. And all of us were like, oh, my God, thank God. Like, yeah. what would I do without Hollister? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I need facts. to wear my Uggs. <laughs> mm. Yep. Okay, so this school is, like, amazing. Let's talk about... Your life there. You're a dual citizen. I'm a dual citizen. I'm Canadian and uh, British. Okay. And so at what time in your life did that come about? Um, so, Or was uh, it always? Well, my mother um, was Canadian. Um, and she... So as birthright, I could be a Canadian. Now, when I first decided that I wanted to come to the United States, um, my agent at the time was like your mum's Canadian, get a Canadian passport, it will make things a hell of a lot easier yeah. when you come to America if you've got that passport rather than uh, a British one. Um, and so, if you want to like, work in America or like become an American citizen, they make you denounce the Queen. It's like pretty dramatic. Well, yeah. well, there's that <laughs> myth from I, I don't, this is a very sensitive time to be talking about immigration, but from what I understand, um, a lot, some people... The way it works in America is I think that they they can't, they have no right to make you give up a citizenship for the United Kingdom. I'm not sure about other countries, and I right. will uh, refer to a story. So I have the only um, kind of family friends or friends before I moved to New York who I had here um, is a couple who live in Midtown East um, who are in their early 70s now. But they are both British but have lived in New York for over 40 years. So they have now both naturalized and become Americans, but they hold both passports. Whoa. Now, and she has a story that, you know, she called up the embassy and went, you know, what does this mean? What am I going to do? And she spoke to a very old-fashioned British lady who, who spoke to her on the phone and said, Dear, once you are British, you will always be British and no one can take <laughs> that right away from you. So, and that was a woman from the embassy. So I think that's how it goes. Although... On the flip side to that, I know an American who lived in Britain and denounced, what's the word, renounced, denounced? Denounced. Denounced her American citizenship mm. um, 
and is just British. And I can't remember. She spoke about it because she's um, a comedian and celebrity as well called Ruby Wax. I don't know if you've heard of her. No, it sounds familiar. She's huge in the UK. Um, Anyway, and I don't know if it was for, um, you know, what the reasons were, whether they were kind of, you know, moral reasons, moral not being a good, you know, but, you know, political reasons or whatever. But anyway, we digress. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I let us down that path, so thus endeth. The, the first, first tangent. Okay. So let's talk about, you just recorded some audiobooks. Do you yes. guys want to talk about your experience working together and, and what you're kind of moving on to now and what's going on? Do you guys want to... Ian? Oh, well, <laughs> might I say. Um, well, I mean, um, I did the show a year prior. We had um, a little run at a festival. Um. And ever since then, the uh, the playwright and the director, who are um, a, uh, a couple, have been keeping the original five of us in on like what's going on. And then when the run at St. Mark's finally uh, came into play, like they asked me back and the dude who plays uh, Charles Beach back. Um, and then like we were the only two that ended up coming back from that original run. Okay. So, I mean, I just met Rupert on the first day. And like it was, I mean, dudes, dudes got chops. Like, yeah, like it's like don't, don't suck. I'll say yeah. that it was a very like, enjoyable play. Thank you. No, and like and like I really look up to like people that like are a like not assholes and b like really good at their jobs. And Rupert happens to be both of those. So um, it was just really fun getting to play with him. And like, cause I, as like. As much of a journey as, like, my character went through or as Charles Beach goes through, I always thought, like, the most challenging one was Frank, which was mm. Rupert's character. And, like, well, he the... spends most of the show in, uh, what do they call it? I mean, he's playing drunk, but what do they call that technique? Impediments. Impediments. Yeah, mm. yeah you spend most of the show playing drunk. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, like, really great impediment work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, like... And it's like that's something I've never had to do before, so it's like I so like I don't even know how like how to approach that, and just like seeing you like that whole journey of yours, I'm like it was just super impressive, and I'm like, yeah, and like it was just awesome working with you, like thank you, and it was yeah. and it was with you too, and and that's absolutely right. That's how I met Ian. It was on the first day of rehearsals, and so the way that I, and I'll tell you after this, you know what I got from the show and why I really love to do it and what made me want to do it, but. um I was in a show um, this time last year um, uh, off Broadway at Theatre Road called Jonah and Otto. Yes. And uh, w- when we were in the run for that, um, Chuck, uh, not Chuck, sorry, Lance, we, mm-hmm. and they, they will famously say that everyone always gets their names confused, even though they're very, very different people yeah. and don't look anything alike at all, really. Um, Lance Ringel, who uh, wrote the show, uh, came to see my play and um, I got an email um, from him. He got my contact detail, I think, through my official website and uh, just basically saying that he came and saw the show and he really enjoyed it and, you know, just uh, said a little bit about what he had written and that he has a, a fantastic novel called Flowers of Iowa. Um, would you know about this novel? I know about it. I right, haven't read it yet. Right, um, and it's amazing. Anyway, so we started uh, communicating and networking and meeting up for coffee and became fast friends. And then, um, you know, really he wanted to meet me because, you know, if Flowers of Iowa, if it ever, um, 
you know you know from the kind of novel turns into something dramatic uh, i think you know a movie um you know he 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 basically just sees me from one of the parts anyway and then Arrow Collarman uh, got its got an, you know got a program for its for its run off broadway at st marks um and you know he came to me with the script and you know he said you know we we we're thinking about frank and obviously you know uh his husband chuck is directing but you know i have a feeling that you've kind of got the kind of um layering that the character needs and he sent me the script and i read it and um it was it was the character frank for me was a really interesting one because he lives in um his brother's shadow so i don't know if you've spoken much about the play on previous shows but the show is uh based on real things that happen very closely so um and it's about um joe leindecker mm-hmm. and um who you know is one of the most important figures in American illustration, uh, but one of the most uh, underappreciated. And his brother, Francis uh, Frank, um, was also an illustrator and within his own right, an incredibly talented one too. So, he, you know, the, he, my character lived in his brother Joe's shadow. And, you know, because they were both gay men at a time where it was not okay to be gay, their closeness as brothers in age you know and in art but also in sexuality was they had this incredible bond um which was also like an inherent competition it's like Mm. it's like brewing a dark tasty thing amongst itself yeah true and and lance really translated that well onto stage because he they speak very openly with each other and it doesn't take him long to give his opinion about how he thinks that you know joe uh, you know, favors commerce maybe more so over the art, and art is the kind of tortured artist because he does get commissioned, but he doesn't. He's doing work that he doesn't feel is 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 real art. Um, anyway, how did I get to this point? Um, but but he so this this um, so the character really struggles. There's a lot of things going on. He struggles with addiction very heavily, mm-hmm. and you know, as I got into the part and discovered it more, he Frank is nowhere near as comfortable with his sexuality as joe is um and i think that he really admires but is tortured by joe's liberalness with his sexuality in front of other people with himself which sucks because i just have to say joe kind of put that on his brother okay because in the opening fucking scene frank is being openly sexual with this model that comes in Mm -hmm. to their their artist studio starts flirting with him and then Joe comes in and goes Frank what are you doing shame on you and yeah. he's like alright cool older bro I'll yeah. go over here and then fucking Joe swoops the guy I know it's not fucking fair and bam 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 ham ham yeah, that's that's a whole that's app. It. I'm it's... trying to I'm trying to spacey the guy, and then Weinstein kicks the door in and does everything for me. No, oh my god! It's Sorry, so... that was intense. And no, and that ha- oh, no, yeah, and that the... and then that happened the, like during that whole spacey Weinstein. Yeah, and then that all kicked thing, off, and we're all like, Ugh. and then we were all in the it's dressing so, room. Yeah, it's great. It's so fucked to set up not only a brother like oppressing his brother, but like a gay man oppressing another gay man for being gay, like. Fuck you, bro! Like, what the hell? I was and for and the other thing that really now I'm on fire. <laughs> the other thing that really upset me in this play was that Rupert's character leaves stage at one point, and then at another point, just a few minutes later, 
Joe gets news that Frank has succumbed to his addiction and died. And yeah. I was like, no, Rupert's not coming. Fuck. <laughs> Rupert's not coming back for another scene. We're not going to get like a ghost scene or a dream sequence. Or I was so frustrated that so early on they're like, oh, Frank's dead. And you're like, no, why? Like, God, the joke That doesn't happen until the end, though. Know, but it's but then there's another like 10 there's or like, 15 minutes. Yeah, there, and yeah. I was like, Joe, this is on you. This is on you. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't squashed his sexuality. Yeah. Wow, just, yeah. I mean, but you know, unfortunately, <laughs> the the best people at the party do leave do leave earliest. It is sad. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, at the party, I like thinking of life that right. Oh, right. Rupert, that was dreamy. I, no, I, no. I, I heard one a great one the other day. So, um, my mother passed away last year. I'm which, so sorry. That's fine. That's fine. But one of the things that really helped me through it um, was someone said to me, and I can't remember who, but this is what I quote when people ask me about it is they said oh man she's at the big party in the sky now and you know what it must be good up there because no one ever comes back I'm like, oh. oh i love that i love, I love that, that. I love so that she's too. up there she's at the big party in the sky wherever that is oh or the cosmos God. or God, it kind of it, it kind of sounds like a jim morrison lyric doesn't it yeah it's <laughs> nice isn't it i know maybe it was a lyric anyway i don't know <laughs> where that gem where the person who told me it found that gem or whether they coined it but um if it's a good one, it, kids. We gotta get right. this. We gotta yeah. get that guy on your yeah. show. To a writer's room? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yes. Oh my um, god, that's like some "This Is Us" shit. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Deep shit. Lovely. Deep. Um, I got real. So, what's so, on the horizon now? Right. So, um, it's just a whole bunch of auditioning. Um, I actually, after we finished the recording in Canada, I went back to the UK for Christmas, and it was lovely uh, to be with my family. So, I got back a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I came mid. Yeah, I came around the fourteenth of Jan. So yes, yeah, so I'm just getting back into it. And January has always been um, pretty slow. If I'm not working in terms of auditions, it just after the kind of holiday slow, the gears start grinding again. And then February, March gets busy in terms of auditions. But this year it started a bit earlier. So yeah, just just going up for castings, going into a few offices, a couple of self tapes here and there, and. You know, let's see, let's see what pops and when. Um, but you know, like every other actor, between that, it's just um, I'm watching a lot of movies right now, which is great. And which is also actor which work. Which is which yeah. is definitely actor work. And I would consider taking naps after work. Like oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, oh my god. Oh no, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Having a full life. This is something that I I kind of have learnt that having a full life to draw from from is the most important thing for your craft mm-hmm. um and as much as kind of doing the work also really not doing the work not driving yourself crazy um and exactly as you say taking naps fostering great relationships and friendships with people who aren't actors and who are actors is all part of being a good actor because it's about creating a life and I think Especially that's the most important actors. thing. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, yeah, if you, can't, I, yeah, if you can't watch other people just doing human behavior yeah. in anything but artistry, like, yeah. you're not... I, I, yeah, well, yeah. this is this is what I mean, and... Um, it's exhausting. I mean, I love actors. Guys, are, no, it's exhausting to spend time with Oh, yeah. Oh, it's exhausting. I can't stand them for the most part. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just torture being here right now. It's I know. Just this, the, is, this is yeah. the worst. Um, <laughs> no, but I see, you know, and, and all my... Uh, you know, obviously I have very close friends who are actors, but all my really best friends are not actors. Mm. And I think that's something uh, that I found very important. 